We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Okay, go on. Sorry, I thought I was gonna sneeze. This is staying in. This is not Stay gonna, in. This, That's fine. I'm not, I, I'm not gonna sneeze. <laughs> the moment's gone. <laughs> Again. When the police called at 3520 North Marshall Street after complaints of a nauseating stench coming from his place, the owner's explanation of, oh, I've just burnt my dinner, was enough to satisfy that all was well. A man living alone in his 40s, of way above average intelligence and relative good looks, could only be considered a bachelor, if not a very good chef. If only the police had asked more questions or searched the house, perhaps they would have found out this man's secret far sooner. Namely that four semi-naked, malnourished women were being held captive in his basement, and that the smell wasn't simply a burnt dinner, but a rib cage being roasted in the oven. This is the story of Gary Heidnick and the women he imprisoned under his house. Hi, hello. Hi, hello. 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 Hi. <laughs> hello to fellow weirdos. And thank you so much for joining us. Once I get my absolute shit together and am able to say hello, my name is Amy. <laughs> and that weird noise was oh, Dom. This is, this... Um, <laughs> and hi. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to this week's episode. Apparently, we've we've just lost it very early on today. But we do want to take a moment just to let you know that despite all of our laughter and all of our being silly, you are absolutely awesome. Keep on keeping on, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you're doing the absolute best that you can in a world that for whatever reason has gone a little bit fucking mental at the minute. So good for you. Keep going. Stay cool. Dom, if you've recovered from my weird introduction to this this episode, how are you? How are you doing? Hi, hello. Um, I am. Um, <laughs> you nailed the intro, <laughs> and then immediately yeah. you go into hi, hello. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I was going for higher and then hello, and it came out high low. So yeah, hi, hello, everyone. We're just making new words up at this point. It's fine. Um, yeah, fuck the system. No, I'm. I'm good. Uh, I'm happy to be recording. Uh, with you again I've missed your face I've missed recording with you um, I'm very excited to hear about this top guy um, but no I'm I'm glad to be back and I'm glad to be recording and I am very excited to hear what you have and it's an American case you don't normally do them I don't normally do them no it's it's just because it's not my um, I mean in fairness I don't think I have any areas of expertise but I know a lot more about British cases than I do about um, American ones. This one was just one that I stumbled across in a book. And yeah, I thought, oh, I've not heard of that. That's interesting. And that's pretty fucked up, which is generally the, uh, nice. you know, the key marker of things that we talk about on the show. So I thought <laughs> I'd give it a go. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but good. I'm, I'm pleased to be recording again, too. It's been a little while. It's been a hot minute. I know there was a little tiny bit of time where... You weren't feeling it for a bit and you were having a bit of a moment, but we're over that now. 
and yeah. we're back to normal my, and we're I good. My, yes. I had my crisis of confidence as anyone who has gone on the podcast Instagram would have seen. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. I had some very kind messages. Big shout out to Stu for his message. And obviously shout out to my ma for her message. Um, you know, they, they sort of lifted me up. So yeah, we're all good now. Good. All that's needed is some kind words from a couple of legends and we're back on. And plus, I would not want to do this without yes. you. I just wouldn't. So don't <clears> go anywhere. Don't be a dick. Let's keep going. <laughs> it's good advice. <laughs> it really is. You know, it applies to so many situations. Just don't be a dick. Yeah, it, it's pretty universal. You, let's put yeah. that on a t-shirt. Don't, and it, if you need it that can on apply a to nearly to everyone we ever speak about as well. Like all of our cases, if they just hadn't have been dicks, then maybe more people would be alive. That is that is very true. Preach. Um, before I launch into Gary Hydnick, who I promise you at least once I'm going to call Hydnick in the course of this episode because I've been doing it all day and it will slip out. Um, <laughs> slip out, Hydnick. Anyway, whatever. That's going to happen. <laughs> why, don't <you> t- <laughs> why don't you tell the people how they can support us and what they can do to help out our beautiful little podcast? Of course. So one of the ways that you can support us, actually, I'm going to go into the financial support in a minute. There is a new way that I found out recently that you can support us. So Spotify at the bottom of, so pretty much from from this point onwards, at the bottom of the show notes on each episode that we upload on Spotify, there's going to be a little section that says Q&A. And all you, all you do is you go to the bottom of the page on the show notes, go to the Q&A section, and then you can tell us what you think about that particular episode. And we can see it and we can respond to it. So if you enjoyed it, you can leave us a little comment. You've got 200 characters. Do with that what you will. But it's a great way to give us feedback without having to leave us a full review. You know, you can put a short little sentence. You can be like, this was fucking amazing. Or don't be a dick with your criticism. There you go. Don't be a dick. Um, I like it. Right. If you do have constructive I'm going to emphasize that constructive because I know that some people when they're when they when they're like giving you some negative they're not constructive they're just go, they're just out to be an absolute bellend if you've got constructive criticisms you can also leave that in there as well so that's one way that you can support us by letting us know what we're doing well letting us know what we could change so that's one way that you can support us but then you also have the financial side and one of those is the buy me a coffee page and big shout out to ryan Ryan. big shout out to ryan uh for buying us three coffees three coffees you can also be a legend like ryan and you can also get us three coffees or you can get us two coffees or if you just want to get us the one coffee you can get us the one coffee it's a great way to support our show and it is a one-time monetary donation it's not like patreon where you know, you're tied to a subscription. There's no, no sneaky bank charges coming out. You can just give us money once and then that is your donation. You'll find the link in the show notes and on the Instagram bio. So if you'd like to support us financially in that way, then please do provide us with some coffee. We are tired content creators um, and we need it. So, <laughs> Amen. I am so fucking yes. tired. But there's also another way that you can support us financially. And Amy, would you like to tell 
They're lovely people. Absolutely. Head over to the Horror House Only Fans right now. No, I'm just joking. There's no only. I believe what Dom is referring to is our merch store. Be on? <laughs> I don't know what would be on the Horror House Only Fans site. I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe just titties covered in blood. I, I don't. I mean, some people are into that. I don't know. I've gone off on a tangent. Really, what I was supposed to be talking about was merch. So I'll do that now. Head over to our merch store. Um, pick yourself up some Horror House merch. You can get yourself some new little bits and pieces and also promote the podcast at the same time. Um, Because no doubt when you're wearing your sick new hoodie or your new AirPod case or your new hat or any of the above, someone is going, someone, multiple people, lines, queues of people of all of your new cool friends will be asking you where you've got that shit. And you know what you say? You say, I got it from the Horror House podcast, I'm not sure. And we'll support you in that. We'll we'll reach out to your friends and tell them that here's the link and that yes, you should listen. It's it's a great podcast. We'll we'll help you. We'll support you. Absolutely. Right. Should we talk about Gary Heidnick? Not Heidnick. Heidnick. Yes, we do. Uh, yes, we shall. Apologies in advance for the amount of times mm-hmm. that I will inevitably say Heidnick. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Heidnick was born on the twenty second November nineteen forty three in Eastlake, Ohio. Um, to Michael and Ellen Heidnick. Obviously, I've written the word Heidnick so many times in this outline that I'm just tempted fate at this point. That was a lot of Heidnicks in, in a that little sentence. So <laughs> yeah, okay, we, we we can make it work. We'll make it work. Heidnick, 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 Heidnick. Um, <laughs> he also had a younger brother, Terry. Um, after their parents divorced in 1946. The Heidnick children were raised by their mother for four years before being placed in the care of their father and his new wife. Um, Heidnick would later claim that he was emotionally abused by his father. Um, He'd suffered a lifelong problem of bedwetting and his father would humiliate him by forcing him to hang his stained sheets out of the bedroom window in full fruit view of all of the neighbours so they could all see that he'd pissed the bed. And his dad was also known to paint bullseyes on both of the brothers trousers so that the school bullies would know where to kick them i mean it's a bit weird so it's a very weird and unusual punishment thanks dad for you know highlighting my nutsack to the bullies but yeah it's interesting i i just want an episode where the dad isn't a dick i don't think there's been one episode where the dad just hasn't been a bellend uh, it's almost like there's a connection between abusive fathers and serial killers. Right. Wonder what that could possibly oh, be. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Like, and bedwetting. I mean, I mean bedwetting is like top three sign of a serial killer anyway. But abusive father highlighting the bedwetting is always going to be a bit of an issue. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's embarrassing enough that he wets the bed. He also doesn't need fucking father of the year then hanging out his piss sheiks for the world to see and painting bull's eyes on their trousers like what is wrong with this man oh also the two aren't ideal because surely if you're getting kicked in the dick enough it's gonna you know make you want to piss eventually Uh, i don't know maybe i don't know how penises work but i mean it's going to make you feel something it's not going to be good um it's going to make you feel something don't even have a dick and i know that i do want to be kicked in it what a fucking what we're off to a good start This kid is well on his way to becoming an absolute menace. Absolutely. Which he basically was. At school, he really didn't interact with fellow students and he generally refused to make eye contact 
um, with other students. One young woman that went to school with him um, quite innocently asked him if he'd done his homework from the day before. And Heidnik's response was basically to yell expletives at her and tell her that she wasn't worthy to speak to him. Which, you know, is, oh is not, not the best way to make friends, generally. Um, wow. Especially if you haven't actually done your homework. <laughs> you know, you should probably at least have done it if right. you're then going to have a go at someone. <laughs> Do you reckon, like, he, like, was asked that question and then he went in, in on his fucking, you know, swear-laced rant and was just like, you're a fucking bitch, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, he looked around being like, yeah, I told her. Yeah, guys, and the, everyone else in the class was just looking at him being like, oh, Gary. What the sure fuck. I've got a feeling <laughs> it was more the case. You know how you would go into class when you were at school and you haven't done your homework. You flat out know that you did not even pick up the class night to do that homework. And there's that one kid mm -hmm. in class that goes, oh, miss, you forgot to collect the homework. Maybe she was that kid. Oh, maybe. Because that kid, yeah, that kid's not worthy maybe. to speak to me. You little fucking dick, shut up. <laughs> so if she was that kid, then yes. If she was one of those kids that at the end of, you know, a, a lesson, when they're like, does anyone, anyone have any questions? She pipes up with like three. I, I, yeah. can, I can see. I can see. Oh, that. I literally <laughs> have the equivalent of that now in meetings, like Zoom meetings. I'm like, has anyone got any questions? There's always that one person that's got like 10, you're like, Shut up. I should be drunk already. <laughs> this could be an email. <laughs> no, none of us want to be here. Stop asking questions. It's very annoying. <laughs> but yeah, needless to say, he was quite heavily bullied in school, mostly because he had a fucking bullseye painted on his trousers, but also because he had <laughs> a very oddly shaped head, which I was curious about when I read. Um, so if you Google Gary Heindick, Hein, Hein, Heidnick, fuck's sake if you google him um you will see that he does have a very oddly shaped head presumably I... both kinds of head because he was getting kicked in the dick a lot so assumably both heads yeah pretty odd let's have a i mean i should i should say while dom's saying let's have a look he's googling the head on top of his shoulders not the other one <laughs> well saying i don't think i don't think i could find that on google images to be honest even with safe safe search off you I can mean, find anything have, on the internet. That is true. He does have a very odd-shaped head on his shoulders, I want to clarify. It um, is, yeah. So by that token, I can also assume, because he's literally got a target on his on his dick, it's, it's probably not looking great either. I'm going to yeah. hazard a guess. I mean, generally, if you've got a dartboard on your trousers and a butternut squash-shaped head, you're not going to do well in school. That's <laughs> It, does, it looks like a butternut squash, honestly. It, Listeners, it please go Google it his does. head. If Don't worry about his crimes. We're going to tell you all about that. But please, if you Google Gary Hindick, just look at the shape of his head and tell me that's not a butternut squash. Moving on. He did actually perform quite well at school. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't stupid. He, he did do well. He actually tested it, um, did an IQ test and had an IQ of 148, which is pretty high. Jeez generally very much above <clears throat> average so he wasn't bad at school he was just bad at school you know what i mean bit of a naughty kid yeah after high school heidnik enlisted in the army where he trained as a medic um while posted in germany he was diagnosed with gastroenteritis um after a series of very bad headaches and sickness but on looking into that they believed he was suffering from a mental health issue and was prescribed medication for that 
it was later found to be schizoid personality disorder, which I think is now referred to as schizophrenia generally. And Mm. that led to his discharge from the army because obviously it's quite a serious mental illness. Shortly after his discharge, Heidnick became a licensed practical nurse um, and enrolled at the University of Pennsylvania, where he dropped out after only one semester. Now, there was nothing particularly you know, crazy about that sentence until I remembered that Jeffrey Dahmer also only did one semester at university and became a practice nurse, a, prax- a practical nurse, which I thought was quite an interesting comparison. Yes, um, that is that is quite interesting. Probably not the comparison that you would really... Uh, no, I mean generally not great. Compared to Jeffrey Dahmer isn't isn't particularly one. That is quite a coincidence. Yeah, I mean you could probably draw a lot of parallels between a lot of people. But when I read that sentence, I thought, yeah, this is Dahmer-esque, and and you know how mm. I feel about Dahmer, not in a not romantically, like obviously. But yeah, I'm I'm I don't want to say I'm a fan. He's just my yeah. I like that case. It's interesting. Anyway, you know what yeah, I mean. I know. Hopefully the listeners do as well, and I'm not going to get reported. He worked at a Veterans Administration Hospital in Coatesville, um, but was fired for poor attendance and rude behaviour towards patients. And to be honest, that is pretty much the extent of his career history um, from August 1962 until his first arrest in, sorry, his last arrest in 1987. Heidnick spent time in and out of psychiatric hospitals. And during those years, so what is that, 15 years, I think, around about that, um, he attempted suicide at least 13 times, which pretty hefty yeah. at least once a year, which is yeah, a bit less than once down. a year, which is pretty crazy. In 1970, his mother, who'd been diagnosed with bone cancer, um, was suffering the effects of alcoholism and also, I say also committed suicide. She committed suicide um, from drinking mercury, which I can't imagine is a nice way to go. And his brother Terry also spent time in mental institutions and attempted suicide multiple times so of all things to you know run in family suicide isn't generally the one that you want yeah no not at all uh drinking mercury as well is a hell of a way to do it pretty i can imagine like how can i phrase this i can imagine it was it wasn't quick <laughs> i can imagine it was very slow and just not a particularly good way to die not that there are good ways to die no where the fuck do you even get it i didn't even i didn't even consider that like, where do you even get mercury? Like, I mean, I know it's in did thermometers. She, did, did she? Like, thermometers, the red bit of the thermometer is mercury, but you're not going to get enough out of that to top yourself. No. So, unless you're buying, you're going to no. the shops and buying like, I don't know, six hundred thermometers. Yeah. So he wasn't very good at holding down a job. He was generally rude to people, and obviously being in and out of mental institution, he wasn't really able to keep a job. Um, but he was very good at investing his money. He made quite a lot of money okay. by incorporating a church under his name, um, Church for the Ministers of God, which sounds very grand, and opened an account with Merrill Lynch in its name with an initial de- an initial deposit of $1,500. With, you know, some quite clever investment, that quickly amassed to over $500,000, which is the about the equivalent in 2023 of about $2.7 And with that money, it meant that Heidnick was able to by himself house and support himself considerably so he was quite clever in terms of investing money and, and financial um matters but wasn't particularly good at holding yes. a job or being nice to people generally um which is what lost in the first place don't churches in america they don't have to pay tax either do they i'm pretty sure i saw somewhere there where like if it's 
a church, they don't have to pay tax. I might be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, that listeners, may well be the sure case. American friends, somewhere. please do comment down below um, if churches pay tax. No idea. Not religious, not American. <laughs> Definitely not the person to ask. So yeah. that may be true. <laughs> and if I, so, very I, wise I, I, I on his part. I can't remember where I saw it. Yes, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm assuming just because like they have the separation of church and state and everyone, well, not everyone, like a good amount of people in America are just like proper Bible nuts. So I'm assuming that churches just don't pay tax. <laughs> I might be yeah. wrong. might be completely I wrong. I think it's a fair assumption. It's definitely a fair assumption. Heidnick used a, I love this phrase. I love this phrase. Heidnick used a matrimonial service to meet his future wife, Betty Disto. And essentially, she was a mail order bride. Um, and they corresponded yeah. by mail <laughs> for two years before he proposed to her. Which is dedicated, I think. Two years of pen palling before he married Holy her is pretty hell. impressive. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is very impressive. That's a long, old correspondent. What? But, he, you know, what was What good. was in those love letters? I don't know. I, I can only assume, like, pictures of his butternut squash dick. I don't know. I don't know. I thought... Soundbite for the that's episode. That's I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else other than butternut squash dick. I don't know why I thought you were going to say it. But moving on. <laughs> moving on. So Disto <laughs> arrived from the Philippines in September 1985 um, and married Heidnik in Maryland the following month on October the 3rd. Um, the marriage, though, very, very rapidly deteriorated after she caught him in bed with a trio of other women. A fucking trio, Dom, of other women. Butternut squash head is clearly what, getting the ladies. That, that's impressive. I mean, it's impressive. Like, I'm just impressed he can get harsh. four women to sleep with him. Like three at the same time, plus his wife. Well, yeah, and he looks like that. That's what I was, <laughs> literally what I was about. I was about to be like, I don't want to be disrespectful. but To a serial killer, you're fine. Attractive. Like, I, I'm like a, a five. Uh, I'm, I'm bang average. But this man is not particularly great looking. He's got a bit of an odd-shaped head. I can imagine his dick is is probably not that good to look at. So he must have like the most powerful cum in the world or he knows how to use it. I don't know. Honestly, if he can get no, four women, my lord. I mean, actually many more than four women because throughout the course of their what was admittedly a very brief marriage, um, Heidnick forced his wife to be an onlooker while he performed intercourse with other women. He also raped his wife Ooh. and assaulted her. Um, luckily, with the help of the Filipino community in Philadelphia, she was able to leave him in January 1986. So they got married in October 1985 and were divorced by January 1986. So the male correspondence of two years lasted almost four times as long as the actual marriage itself, um, which is not surprising considering how much of a dickhead he was. Yeah. So very, very short-lived. But... The point you made, Dom, about having very powerful cum may well be true. And there's another soundbite for the episode, should you wish to highlight it. <laughs> because unknown to Heidnik, while his ex-wife was in the process of divorcing him, she did get pregnant because he had impregnated her and oh. she gave birth to a son on the 15th of September 1986, whom she named Jesse John Disto. Heidnik's cum clearly you know, had what it takes. He had some excellent swimmers because he also had another child with Gail Linko, oh um, a son named Gary Jr. 
the child was almost immediately placed in foster care quite soon after his birth. And he then went on to have a third child with yet another woman, Anjanette Davidson, um, who was illiterate and mentally disabled. Their daughter, sorry, Anjanette was not the daughter. Um, The daughter, Maxine Davis Davidson, um, was born on the 16th of March, 1978, and was immediately placed in foster care again, which was for the best because very, very shortly after Maxine's birth, Heidnick was arrested for the kidnapping of rape and rape of Alberta Davidson, um, Anjanette's sister. Um, And to be honest, that was pretty much the point where he really did start his pretty horrific criminal career, which we will delve into very, very shortly. But Don, before we do that, shall we take a very brief break? Because that was a lot of women and babies <laughs> all in the last paragraph so should we take a little bite? yes <laughs> i need to digest all of that because wow <laughs> yeah let's take a break awesome we'll see you in a few what do you get when you mix someone who loves true crime and horror movies with someone who's afraid of their own shadow someone like you yeah i'm glad you asked you get the perfect podcast We're Carmen and Joanna of Live Laugh Murder Podcast. We're not your typical true crime show. Here at Live Laugh Murder, we tell stories that might be true crime or they might be the plot of a horror film. Can you tell the difference? Don't worry though, because all is revealed by the end. We are true crime sometimes. So check us out. We release bi-weekly on Saturdays. And remember to live, laugh, but never what, Joanna? Murder. Never murder. Thanks, guys. Thanks. In the 1970s, four women were found dead in their apartments in London, Ontario. At first, pathologists determined they died of natural causes. But when three more women turned up dead, the community discovered something far more sinister at play. Listen to Dark Adaptation Podcast to hear how a deranged killer scaled buildings to enter their victims' bedrooms. From the darkest corners of the most haunted places in the world to the lesser-known cases in true crime, we take you on a journey through the twisted and bizarre. And for larger cases, our resident astrologist delves into the charts and skies of major events and people for a true crime podcast with a cosmic twist. Tune in every Monday to Dark Adaptation wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'll catch you on the dark side. Cool. So, lots going on in his early life and his young adulthood. Um, But as I say, the kidnap of Alberta Davidson really did start his his criminal career um and activities in 1978 Nick signed out alberta the sister of his then girlfriend originate davison um from the penn township mental institution on day leave and then proceeded to imprison her in a locked storage room in the basement um after she was found and returned to the hospital examination revealed that she'd been raped and sodomized and that she was found oh sorry and that she had contracted gonorrhea which is, you know, a nice leaving present to go back into the hospital with. Heidnick was arrested and charged and convicted of kidnapping, rape and unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse and interfering with the custody of a committed person, which is quite the rap sheet for your first arrest. Wow, man went like... All in. As bad as it sounds, you know, man went If you're going to do it, you might as well. First. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Normally people like ramp it up as they go not gary gary was like right then <laughs> let's 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 get this rap sheet going 
Back yeah, me. let's start as we mean to go on and, you know, bang this one. Sorry, that was yeah. a terrible choice of words. Apologies. Sorry, listeners. Not <laughs> ideal. Anyway, he did go to prison for it. Um, he spent three years. Sorry, he got sentenced to four years, but he spent three of those years um, in incarceration in mental institutions um, because he was obviously off his fucking nut mm. and was looked after, obviously, in those before being released in April 1983 under the supervision of a state-sanctioned mental health program. But the stint in prison and mental institutions really didn't do anything to prevent him committing further crimes. Um, because on the 25th of November 1986, Heidnik abducted a woman named Josefina Rivera. And by January of the following year, so between oh, three months, just under three months, um, he had ki- kidnapped another four women all of whom he held captive in a pit in the basement of his house. He kept them there, presumably just to use for sexual gratification. Um, they were raped, beaten, tortured, bitten, just generally, you know, not not treated very well. Really nothing, I was going to say seemed to be wrong. Obviously, it's entirely wrong, but he didn't have any genuine issues with keeping people there because no one was really looking for them. These women were people that yeah. were, you know, homeless down that family they were also all very educationally subnormal so afterwards it was found that they all had iqs of under 50 and generally if you're under 70 you're considered to have quite severe learning difficulties um so no one was really looking for them so therefore he didn't really have too many issues in keeping them until one of the women sarah Lindsay, died of a combination of starvation obviously the torture that he was inflicting and an untreated fever Oh, Heidnik obviously had a bit of a problem with that. He he had to do something about it. So he dismembered her body, but he did have problems dealing with the arms and legs. So he put them in the freezer and marked them in bags that he labelled as dog food. Yikes. Oh, no. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Don't want to be feeding your dog that. Jesus. No. I mean, you don't want to be feeding anyone. One of his favourite torture methods up until this point um, had been to put actual dog food into sandwiches to feed the women um, and then obviously starve them of anything else so they would be forced to eat the dog food. But there were reports after this that he had actually cooked some of the meat. Um, He admitted to cooking the rib cages of one of the women in an oven and boiling her head in a pot on the stove. But that meat from those parts he some sources say he mixed with dog food and put into the sandwiches to feed to the other women as well god damn what ah oh, what a dick it's, it's pretty pretty rough but so far no sign of him getting That's caught no sign of anyone you know investigating this at all the only real issue that he had was that the neighbors had called the police to complain about an odor that was emanating from his residence again very dharma-esque um there's a lot of you mm-hmm. know that happened to him as well mm-hmm But they were satisfied with his explanation, which was that I'm cooking a roast, I fell asleep and it burnt. And they were presumably cool with that. They were like, okay, that makes sense. Despite it having been there for days um, and, you know, neighbours making multiple complaints, they were like, oh, yeah, no, guys, just having a Sunday roast and fucked it a bit. So not the best of police work. No, no, not, not particularly. Like, surely, like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I would, I would at least go in the house and have a little look around i wouldn't just 
be like, oh, it's fine. You just burnt the roast. It is fine. Don't worry. Don't worry, Gary. You crack on. Yeah. You, you keep doing your thing. But the problem is, isn't it, that you have to have, you know, they have to have all of their permits. They have to have the right warrants to be able yeah. to search your premises. And plus, there's a big difference between a yeah. policeman who is probably presuming that, oh dear, it's just a bad smell, going to investigate, as opposed to me and you going to investigate when we literally talk about this shit all the time. And any bad smell, we're like, well, that's clearly a fucking dead body. So I can't even see someone burn a tire now without thinking that they're hiding a body underneath it. So why aren't the police like getting us on cases as like special consultants? Ames. I have no idea. Like so many, right? Like we would cut so many killers would be caught. So many cases would be solved if they just were like, right, let's get Amy and Dom in because they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. They know what they have to look for. I feel like we would literally walk onto a crime scene and be like, check the bath drain, just pointing at shit that they need to be doing. Look in the freezer. <laughs> Has he had a bonfire recently? Ask the, the neighbours if they smell anything weird. Come on, people. We, 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 we've not got time to lose here. <laughs> we, we walk onto the crime scene, like slow motion. I'm like Horatio Kane in Miami Vice. I like slowly take my sunglasses off, make some sort of pun. <laughs> oh damn absolutely ridiculous i mean obviously Uh, (laughs) we would be completely useless in a real life police scenario yeah but in theory we've got all the knowledge one could also argue we've got all the knowledge to Uh, be able to be successful killers but we won't talk about that don't worry about that amy oh sorry yeah other than my ridiculously large mouth that clearly can't keep shut We've got all of the tools <laughs> to be able to be serial killers. Oh, uh, well, looks like I'm going to have to move that move that thing out of the garden then. Thanks, yeah. Amy. No one would have suspected anything. Time to and retile the patio again. Yeah, going to have to move house. I can't keep moving <laughs> house, Amy, for God's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, they the police didn't go in. They didn't investigate any further. And maybe if they had, you know, these girls would have been released a little bit sooner. And not been subjected to as yes. much of the torture that he was putting them through. One of his preferred methods of torture was electric shock. So at one point, he forced three of his captives, who were all bound in chains at all times, um, into a pit that he had dug in the floor of the basement. He ordered Rivera and another woman to fill up the hole with water until it was at waist height, and then forced Rivera, who was his first um, kidnap victim, to apply current from a strict extension cord to the women's change so that they were all electrocuted. Deborah Dudley, who was one of the women that was in the pit at the time, uh, was electrocuted to death and hired Nick disposed of her body in the Pine Barren in New Jersey. But he didn't chop her up and cook her, but he did get rid of her and she did die. So yeah. That's fucked. Like, yes, it is. Fucked. Anything with, obviously, like, uh, like torture in general is... is just fucked no matter no matter what it is but like electrocution it, oh, it's got to be up there with like the worst ways to torture someone definitely not a good one i was gonna say fun fact but i'm not sure that applies here but to lighten the mood on the electrocution thing the the pit that he put them in so that the pit in the basement um actually then became inspiration for a writer um, at the time that writer being thomas harris who wrote The Silence of the Lambs. So if you remember oh. in, in Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill keeping 
the young woman in a pit in the basement yeah. and using the bucket. That the inspiration for that came from this case. Ah, I did not know that. Fun facts. It, it's fun been facts. a while since since we've had a fun fact. So fun facts with Amy. There you no, go. Was this was actually relevant. Normally they're completely irrelevant, but I don't know the the fun facts that you did for the Black Plague episode, which I know was quite a while ago now. Was that a while was ago. Relevant. Yeah, sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it right. Um, but yeah, I I'm just happen to be a massive fan of Silence of the Lamb. So when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that's insane. But yeah, that's where that inspiration That is pretty crazy. Um, on January the 18th, 1987, um, Heidnik abducted Jacqueline Askin. Um, she was the youngest of his six victims. She was only 18 at the time of her abduction. Um, on the 5th of May, 2018, um, so much later, a special report entitled Gary Heidnik's House of Horrors 30 years later was aired. It features an interview with Askins. She obviously survived him. Um, who recounted that Heidnik would wrap duct tape around the mouths of the victims, around their heads, and then stab them in their ears with screwdrivers, which oh. I, I don't even know what that achieves, to be honest. I, I don't know why you would even think to do that. What What do you gain from that? What's your end game? Like, obviously, like, his own gratification, but still. Yeah. Like, what, what does that do? Like, I don't know. know. I mean, I think <laughs> the whole point is that we, as, you know, logically thinking human beings don't understand it and i'm okay with that i'm okay not understanding why that turns <laughs> someone off. but nonetheless yeah. it was what he did yeah. so you can imagine that life in hind basement wasn't exactly great but josephina rivera who was no. the most long-standing his kid peers and been there the longest was starting to grow brave and was becoming increasingly desperate so she came up with a plan um, but in order for that plan to work she would need to gain Heidnik's trust on the 23rd of March, 1987, mm -hmm. um, Rivera helped Heidnik to abduct Agnes Adams. Um, Rivera was in the car with Heidnik and Agnes had recognised her because Josephina used to be a stripper at a strip club called the Heart and Flowers okay. Strip Club. So when Agnes saw her in the car and Rivera made no attempt to warn Agnes that she was about to get into a car with an absolute fucking nutcase, um, Agnes just assumed that she had nothing to fear. So she got in willingly and Rivera, you know, helped to help, you know, made that process easier. Pretty horrible. Not a very nice thing to do to a, an, another human being, let alone a woman. But if gaining Heidnik's trust was what her aim was, then she certainly achieved that. The next day, Rivera convinced Heidnik yes. to let her go, albeit very temporarily, so that she could visit her family. He drove her down to the local gas station and said that he would wait for her there. Um, while she walked a few blocks to her parents' house to visit them. Instead of going to visit her parents, she walked to her boyfriend's house and explained where she had been. Um, initially, he wanted to okay. confront Hyde Nick. Always did it again. He wanted to confront Hyde Nick, <laughs> but then obviously thought better of it and called the police instead. The responding officers who noted the chafing on from the chains on her legs, on her wrists, the torture marks, all of these horrendous scars that she'd picked up over these sort of, you know, just under two years. They believed her first off, which was the hard part, but then they went to the gas station and detained Heidnik. Mm -hmm. Without incident, he, he didn't give up a fuss. He, he just sort of took his arrest, which I, I actually found quite surprising. I thought he was going to, you know, at least try to run, but he didn't. He just accepted yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was going to say he seems, he seems like a runner, but maybe, maybe not. No. Or at least, like, he would resist in some way. 
Yeah, he. Um, I think obviously we're not dealing with a sane man here. But yeah, I was quite surprised to hear that that went down without incident. On March the 25th, 1987, um, police were armed with a search warrant and entered Heidnick's home. Uh, downstairs, they found two women, uh, Lisa Thomas and Jack Dickens, huddled in a blanket um, for warmth. They were wait- they were naked, sorry, from the waist down. Um, so they were, you know, freezing, trying to stay together to keep warm. Um, yeah. Police then removed the sandbags and the cover from the top of the pit that he dug in the basement, um, only to find a terrified Agnes Adams cuffed and naked inside. One very lucky detective had the pleasure of finding the packaged human flesh in the freezer, um, some fatty human remains in a burned pan on the stove, and in the fridge was a human forearm, presumably defrosting it for later. I don't, I don't know. Just a whole ass forearm. That's yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really know how long those take to defrost, but presumably that's what he was doing. I mean, yeah, I imagine it, I imagine it takes a while. I mean, you your Christmas when, turkey's like, taking like seven hours, like, an arm, maybe three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The 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 panic you get when like your mum tells you to take the chicken out of the freezer and then she messages you at like 2 p.m. and is like, oh, did you take the chicken out? And then you're just like, ah, I, like imagine like, imagine like a whole forearm. Man's just like, damn, I probably should have taken that out a few hours before. Oh, yeah. man, I was going to take ages to defrost. Yeah, he's probably a bit disappointed. But, you know, in terms of where he's at at the moment, which is incarcerated, very low on the list of priorities, I would say. Um, <laughs> very shortly after his arrest in April of 1987, he attempted to hang himself, which would have been his 15th suicide attempt in his lifetime, which is pretty insane. Know. Although, kind of understandable at this point. Yeah, it's tricky. I don't want to be sympathetic, but he hasn't had the best life. His upbringing was pretty shit, for for lack of a better word. Man literally had his piss-stained sheets hung out of his window and had a bullseye painted on his junk. But at the same time, it's kind of, yeah. Like, I feel sorry for his childhood and his upbringing, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I kind of don't feel sorry for where you are now because you're kind of a bit fucked, old Gary. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely not quite all there, which, again, became very evident at, at the start of his trial. Initially, he claimed that the women were already in the house when he moved in, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. that was on the listing. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was a very spacious five-bed, three-bath house, lovely maisonette, balcony, women in the basement. Very spacious. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon, I don't like, know why he, he thought a, that was better. Do you reckon he like went for a viewing and like the landlord showed him around and like showed him all showed him the bedroom, showed him the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. and Gary was like, you know, you know, it's nice, but the you know, kitchen's a bit small, bedroom's a bit boxy. And then the agent's just like, oh, um, I forgot to say that like it comes with like four women already here. And then Gary's just like, oh, well then, so let's get the paperwork signed. Is, is it just the four women in the basement? I was really looking for six. <laughs> Gonna have to make some allowances there. <laughs> I'm knocking money off the rent <laughs> for the two <laughs> ladies that are not here. So obviously that didn't stick at the trial. Yeah, the absolutely not. the defense attempted to prove that Heinrich was legally insane, which you wouldn't think would be too difficult considering what he's been doing. But the prosecution you know, made the very successful argument that he'd amassed. Like, 
$550,000 in investments. He was clearly astute at that. Um, He'd made exponential decisions. He managed to support himself using those. And an Mm. insane man, you wouldn't be able to do that. In the testimony, even a financial advisor, Robert Kirkpatrick from Merrill Lynch, his testimony was used to prove the fact that he had mental competence and that he was, you know, essentially. So basically the whole not guilty by originality plea apart. Um, and on July the 1st, yeah. 1988, Hyde Nick was convicted of two counts of first degree murder, six counts of kidnapping, five counts of rape, four counts of aggravated assault, and two counts of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> that was the worst joke the worst made. 12 so days sorry. of Christmas you could ever count down that was just terrible I'd, I hadn't realised until I was reading it out that they were actually like in chrono- like you know lessening so I thought yeah I'm just going to chuck that in and, and I regret my choices um, he was sentenced to death and incarcerated at the State Correctional Institution of Pittsburgh and in January again 1989 he attempted suicide with an overdose of prescribed Thorazine, I think is how you say that. Thorazine. Yeah, another suicide attempt. This guy really wants to die, which is ironic considering he's yeah. been sentenced to death. It's it's kind of crazy. Like he held the power of life in his hands for so long, but yet he wants to end his. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very odd. Also, you've just been sentenced to death, so what's the point in killing yourself? I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm oh, yeah, too yeah, logical okay. about it. He was executed it's... by lethal injection on the 6th of July, 1999, at the State Correctional Institution in Belfort, Pennsylvania. And as of 2022, I just thought this was an interesting fact, as of 2022, he was the last person to have been executed by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So, I mean, in 1999, it actually wasn't that long ago, but that was a fun fact. I mean, not a fun fact, Sorry. but a fact. And if you're anything like me, you're asking the most important question about his um, execution, and that was... What was his last meal? Because we all want to know what people's last meals were. His last meal was two slices of cheese pizza and a black coffee. So, poor I get. It's a pretty solid, it's a pretty solid option. Yeah. Much better than like some last meals I've heard about. I'm pretty sure like Eileen Warnos's last meal was bizarre. Quite a few of them are just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I can't remember who it is, but there's definitely someone and it's one of the big names. And maybe we can make this like a quiz. Horror House listeners, this is a little quiz for you. If you know the answer to this question, <laughs> comment, contact us on Instagram or however you want to contact us. But someone's last meal was a single black olive. Tell me who that is. Oh, I've heard I don't know that. if you're right because I've forgotten the answer. But it was definitely someone's. So if you know, tell us. Please reach out. Let us know. Or if you know of any other shit last meals. I've I've, I've heard of the olive one, the single black olive, but the name, like, I... I for the life of me, I can't remember. But yeah, that, me neither. But let's leave it open. Let's let's let the listeners tell us. We'll we'll see. We'll do a little experiment. See how many people actually make it to imagine, the end of the episode. Imagine getting told, you know, it's your last meal. You can have whatever you want. If you want to get like three bargain buckets, like go go crack on. If you want to get like a ridiculously expensive steak, crack on. You want a a, a three person tub of Ben and Jerry's you know do, go crazy and you're just like you know what kind of fancy kind of fancy olive and they're like oh like a whole a whole bowl and you're just like uh, no just the just the one just the one just single the one. olive 
Yeah. Just it's, reminds it's a me weird of this. choice. I'm sure it's some sort of statement. Um, I just want to wrap up the episode Ollie. because I don't think I um, actually ever said them all out loud. So I just wanted to go over Tim's that he had. So um, in order of how they were kidnapped, Josefina Rivera was first, age 25. Um, Sarah Lindsay came after her, age 24. She was murdered on the 7th February 1987 and obviously then chopped up and frozen cooked Ian potentially Ian Lisa Thomas came after that she was age 19 in 1986 so we're still in the first year um Deborah Dudley was age 23 um she was the first person of 1987 and was murdered on the 19th of March Jefflyn Askins age 18 was kidnapped in January 1987 and finally Agnes Adams uh, who Rivera helped to be kidnapped was the shortest kidnapping and you know time kept captive she was only kept captive for a couple of days she was kidnapped on the 23rd of march 1997 so that was all of the victims two of whom sadly weren't but that's the story of gary heidnick who i think i only mispronounced his name maybe twice you did well i was i was expecting more heindix I, I was you. expecting more heindix i hate it when you're I expecting was, more dicks and you i was get. impressed <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just thought, like, it's uh, to be honest, I just thought at some point you would have said it so much that you would have just been like, you know what, from here on out, it's just going to be Heindick. I'm not even going to try and say his name properly. Yeah, I think I did all right. But yeah, that that is his story. What did you think, Dom? How was that for my, well, my first American case in quite a long What an episode to come back with, eh? Right. Wow. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was interesting. Um... I, even though I know more American killers than I do British, I was unfamiliar with this. And it's always interesting to to hear about cases that you're unfamiliar with. But uh, once again, we have, um, yeah, once again, we have the lesson of maybe raise your child with a little bit of love, give them some hugs, mm-hmm. don't be a dick, and maybe you won't have a Gary Hind dick on your hands. Yeah, it's really that simple. Just don't be a dick. Right. On that note, (laughs) thank you so much once again (laughs) for listening. Obviously, please do go to Instagram, horrorhouse underscore pod. Give us a follow. Send us some love. Send us some messages. Do not send us any dick pics unless you happen to have a picture of Gary Hindick's dick, in which case, be interesting. But generally, no, just just nice messages. Constructive criticism, always welcome. Do what you can to support us. Visit the merch store. And thank you once again for listening. Dom, do you want to see us out? Yes. Yes, I will. Um, As Amy said, thank you for listening in this week. We know that you have a wide choice of podcasts and we at Horror House are very happy that you have chosen us to listen to this week. But yeah, thank you for for tuning in. As Amy said, you can support us in many ways. You can leave us a comment on Instagram. You can slide in our DMs. Don't send us dick pics unless it's specifically Gary's. Gary's dick is okay. Any others? No, no go. No dice. If uh, at any point you find your camera <laughs> pointing downwards, stop and look at yourself. Don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick and don't show us yours. Um, so, yes, thank you for tuning in um, and supporting us. And until next time, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.